I'm so excited you decided to take the time to listen to Creatives Talk. My name is Eric Humphrey, and on this podcast, I get the chance to speak with some of the most interesting, inspiring people I've worked with and been mentored by. I hope you enjoy. All right, I'm really excited to be here today with my man, Elton Anderson. He is a phenomenal photographer from Detroit, Michigan. We randomly met six years ago in New York City, and uh, we've been friends ever since. He's helped me out tremendously in my career, and I'm just glad to have him here on this episode. So Thank welcome. You. Thank you. You're far too kind. Was it really six years ago? It was 2000. It might have been. It might have been eight years ago. It might have been eight. I'm thinking it's like. Yeah. 2010. I think it was, too, because I moved here six years ago, so you're right. Yeah, oh, might have been 2009, <laughs> but nonetheless, been a very fun friendship with you. So I want to talk to you about how you ended up in this creative career as a photographer. Where did this passion all begin? Uh, oh, I think in a good way, the story has become quite promising and, and quite common. Like, I see a lot of folks that have quit their jobs and pursued, you know, creative fields or whatever, or their passions or things like that. So I hope I don't sound redundant, but yeah, pretty much eight, you know, eight or nine years ago, I found a camera and quit my job, if I could keep it short, but if you want the longer version. Well, what were you doing eight or nine years ago before you quit your job? Uh, well, eight or nine years ago, I used to work in pharmaceutical sales. So I went to school for business at uh, the illustrious Florida A&M University. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I always just knew that I wanted to do pharmaceutical sales. I wanted to climb the corporate ladder. I wanted to be VP of something, you know, just like the typical dreams. And so as I worked, as I did several uh, internships in other industries and kind of went through the rigmarole of corporate America, I started realizing, like, this isn't what I wanted to do. And so in that time period, I would say from the age of, like, 22 to about 25, it was a lot of just soul searching. It was like, I would see people that were, you know, my father's age, still doing the same job that I was doing. I was like, I don't kind of want, I don't want to live that same life. So I remember one moment in particular, my territory for pharmaceutical sales was on the beach. And I know that I would go to a certain doctor's office every Tuesday. And I know every Tuesday I would see this Reggie Wrangler and I would see like these three guys like surfboarding on like a Tuesday. And I'm like, <laughs> how can they surfboard on a Tuesday? And it would be like clockwork. Like every Tuesday I would go to the doctor's office and every Tuesday I would see these guys in their red Jeep Wrangler and something clicked for me. I was like, I need to live a life where I can go surfboarding on Tuesdays instead of working for somebody else. So fast forward to like maybe a year into the job, they had a lot of different awards you could win. And so you can maybe get something like golf clubs, American Express cards, yada, yada, yada. I ended up winning essentially a camera, and that's all she wrote. So before winning this camera, had you had any interest in photography? Honestly, not any interest at all. Like, I took one photography class in college just to get the credits. It was like one of those, you know, just electives that you just do, hopefully get get a B plus and keep it moving. So I took that class and I remember I borrowed a friend's camera and I didn't, I didn't ever buy one. Like I just took the class, I kind of just went through it and never developed a passion for photography, which was weird. And that was when I was like maybe 20 years old. And so I didn't own my first camera as an adult until I was 25. And then, so when you won that camera, what did you do next? Like, did you, did it sit in the box or did you just dive straight in? So, you know, I got it to pretty much shoot. My sister was just having a baby and I wanted to document that. And I also wanted to document my travels. I wasn't traveling like crazy, but I was going to like, you know, New York, Philly, DC, Atlanta, all those domestic locations. So I started a Facebook gallery just called like Elton's photo album or something. And 
people were really looking forward to looking at it often. So I would just update it as I as I traveled or as I met up with friends, and people would always comment and love it and say, "Wow, Elsa, your work is really good." And I'm like, "Work? This isn't work. This is just <laughs> a hobby. You know, this is just pictures. Anybody takes pictures." And so another thing I started doing was I was really interested in blogging. So I decided to start a blog. It was called like Elton Anderson Photography Blog or something. But the funny thing was I didn't tell anybody about it. I treated it like almost like a diary just for myself. And so I would say for the next like six to eight months is when I really started getting into photography. So I had a pattern. I would wake up in the morning, go to work, and during my lunch break, if, if I didn't have anything to do, I would go to Barnes & Noble and I would read every book, magazine I could on photography during that hour or so. I had to check it out. And then I would go home after work and I would get on blogs for the rest of the night. So pretty much like from like 12 to 1, I'm in the bookstore. And from 6 until I couldn't keep my eyes open anymore, I'm looking at photography stuff. And one thing that all the photographers uh, that I admire had in common, they said, always be shooting. You should always shoot work. So uh, when the weekend came, I would always try to shoot somebody and add things to, you know, Elton Anderson's photo album on Facebook. But this is when things clicked. It clicked when one day I said, I want to shoot somebody I absolutely don't know. I want to shoot a stranger. And so I know this could sound a little creepy, but... (laughs) I put an ad on Craigslist saying, hey, new photographer here, would love to shoot you, whoever you are, doesn't matter. And so I started getting people responding to the ads. So every weekend, if I was in town, I would shoot these random people and it would be a variety of people. Like one girl was a fitness model, one guy wanted to be an actor, another girl had just wrote a book, like, and all these people It was amazing because I had to learn and teach myself ultimately how to build a rapport with somebody in front of my camera. So that period of my life laid a lot of groundwork for me as a photographer today because it took away a lot of the fear I have of of walking into a room and meeting somebody for the first time and having to pull energy and a personality and get to know them in such a short time. Wow. So... This whole time you're working at Pfizer during the day, uh-huh. and then every weekend you're shooting these random strangers. How long, how much time it passed from the time you purchased the camera to the time when you decided, I want to just contact people and put an ad out there to just shoot them? Uh, I would say relatively quick. I would say about six to eight months. I, I got I got bored of shooting my friends. <laughs> And so it was just boredom that drove you to do that? Like, what gave you the confidence to be like, I'm going to have this complete stranger that I don't know in front of me? Uh, it, was, it, was, it was just curiosity. And mainly, uh, I would say, if you know me, Eric, you know me, and you know that I am a people person. You know, the first day that we met, <laughs> uh, I met you and I ended up kicking the whole day with you and your friends. So I'm just a natural people person. And I look at the camera is kind of like my connection to more and more people. So, you know, meeting new people is a drug for me. And the camera is like, I don't know, the $20 bill that people roll up. I don't, I don't know. Bad analogy, but you yeah, know what yeah, I'm yeah. saying. So after you realize that you love using this camera to connect to people, how long did it take before you decided you wanted to take the next step and leave your full-time job? Uh, well, yeah, it was, I think it was two events. Uh, the first was, if you remember, I talked about that blog I had that I told nobody about. Um, I remember I had a comment one day and I'm like, cause you know, you get a notification, like comment. I'm like, who commented on my blog? And I thought it was some spam. <laughs> and I look and it's this lady that lived in Canada that was like, oh my gosh, I found your work. I totally love it. Keep it coming. And the fact that somebody found my work randomly and 
I had a quote unquote fan really showed me that I was doing, you know, something good. I was like working towards my personal life's work, my passion. The second thing that kind of helped me figure out I could do it financially was, you know, when I called on a lot of doctors, I would ask them, could I shoot events for them? And so one day I shot one of my doctors, their son had a Boy Scout like event and I went and shot it. And so um, after, after the event, the doctor was like, oh, I want to pay you. I want to pay you. And I'm like, I had not done pictures for money. And I refused to take pictures for money at this time. But the doctor ended up giving me $30. <laughs> and I begged him not to give it to me. But he was like, this just uses for gas. I just cannot let you leave here without giving you something. And so, you know, at, I, fortunately enough, I, I didn't need the money at the time. I was making really good money working at corporate America. But uh, that $30 signified that I could randomly make a living off of this. <laughs> And then fast forward and somebody told me, hey, you should shoot weddings. And I started going to my friend's weddings and I would just take pictures, not necessarily shoot them. And people all of a sudden thought I was this amazing wedding photographer. And that's another part of the story. Okay. When did you decide to leave your job and the security and all the benefits that come along with that to really go after photography? Oh, uh, when I made the decision, hmm. It was always in the back of my mind. Uh, I remember I had a bit of a quarter-life crisis, and I remember seeing somewhere that if you quit your job, that's not the end of the world because you can always go back. So I started saving up as much money as I could. I started downsizing my life. I, I owned a condo at the time, and renting out the condo to get it paid for and I moved into a buddy's, like, he had a spare room in his apartment. So I actually started downgrading my life because I knew I was going to make this transition. I would say about a year or so into getting a camera. So I think I pulled the plug when, when I just didn't want to go to work anymore. I just pulled the plug and didn't go. <laughs> so there was no fear? around that decision? Oh, it was all of the fear. It was because I still hadn't even said the word that I was a photographer. And I say that to a lot of people when a lot of people I meet, you know, with us living in L.A., a lot of people have aspirations and dreams. So I know people that say, oh, I want to be a director or, oh, I want to be an actor or, oh, I want to be a botanist or whatever you choose to be. I always say, take out the try and say you are. And so I was still in the phase where I say, oh, you know, I like, you know, I, I take pictures or, oh, you know, I'm trying to be a photographer. And I remember, I forgot where I heard it, but I remember take out the try. And so when I, saying the word, I don't know if you went through this, Eric, but saying, did. you know what I'm saying? Like saying, oh, <clears throat> when you introduce yourself and saying, oh, I'm a photographer, it's a lot of weight to that. You know, it's not... That's just not something you take lightly. And I remember that moment happened slightly after I quit my job. And it, it's, it's a lot. So if you're listening, everybody, take out that try and just be. So you read somewhere that you need to take out the try and just be. But I know when I first, when it happened with me, when I first was said, I would be like, uh, I want to be a photographer, but I do this, this, and this. Right, or, right. But, or I would say I'm a photographer, but then I would always have to like coach that with something else. Did you ever go through that? And if you did, how did you get beyond that? Yeah, that was, yeah, to your point about fear. Yeah, that was a, a huge fear because, you know, when you look at your idols, like if I looked at Martin or 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 Peggy Sirota, I'm like, that's a photographer. What I'm doing is just <laughs> taking some pictures. So... It, it, it came from a lot of outside validation, to be honest. Like when when people come to you and say, oh, I love your work or people comment on the blogs or comment on Facebook. It really it really boosts your your creative self-esteem, I think. You know, I'm, I'm a very confident person in myself. But when it comes to photography and creative space, 
I think we need to quote the great icon Erica Badu and say, keep in mind I'm an artist <laughs> and I'm sensitive about my shit. So, you know, even to this day, the validation from people feeling more beautiful than they've ever felt or saying that this is the best shoot I've ever done, it, it still rings true today. Like, even if I shoot a celebrity that I know has shot with some of the biggest names in the world and have been doing photo shoots for years, when they feel like a picture I've taken of them is something of beauty that really helps to validate and just, you know, let me know that I'm doing something right. Yeah. So then the other question that I have is, you go from pharmaceutical sales into a creative industry. How did you even know to navigate that space to figure out how to make a living doing it? Uh, I, I was lucky. I, I started photography full time at a time where a lot of our friends were getting married. That like age of like 26 to 30, you know, a lot of people getting married. And so I don't know how I went from like maybe like three weddings my first year to like almost 20. But for some reason, I became a pretty reputable and well-known wedding photographer. And I got to travel a lot with photography and I was able to make a living off of weddings. So, you know, with weddings, we charge anywhere from like 2000 to 8000 and above. And that could really help a photographer's career starting out. Now, after two or three years, did I start to hate it? Yeah. <laughs> because what I realized is that no matter if you shot a wedding in Cleveland, Ohio, or Nairobi, Kenya, or on the top of Mount Fuji, they all the weddings started to be the same to me. And creatively, I hit a wall when it came to weddings. And so I had a really good career with that. And that's what that's what helped me to get started, but that's ultimately not what I wanted to do. So when did you start to figure out, like how long did it take once you decided I'm a photographer, how long did it take for you to figure out what you really wanted to do? Uh, it took a lot of trial and error. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what I want to do, to be honest. Like, I feel like at this point in my career, I've done a little bit of everything. I've shot athletes, I've done hair campaigns, I've done celebrity editorials, I've done cologne campaigns, things of that nature. And I'm still learning. I'm still kind of figuring out like a space that I want to be in. But I knew it wasn't weddings. And uh, I had a really rough transition period between like 2011 to 2012. And that's when I was trying to make the, the change from weddings to like more commercial and editorial photography. And what I realized is that I kept focusing on what I didn't want to do. Like I said, oh, I don't want to be a wedding photographer. I don't want to be a wedding photographer. But I hadn't taken the time to focus on what I wanted. Like, I wanted to shoot album covers. I wanted to shoot editorials in GQ. I wanted to shoot, you know, my, my favorite celebrities. And so I started focusing on what I wanted to do. And I think that's the moment that really changed my life and set me on the course that I'm on now. So what even gave you the, the insight to take that approach and focus on what you want versus focusing on the negative? Uh, just, a lot, just a lot of self-work. I think, I think everybody that's listening and everybody that's not listening, we all need to continue to evolve. And I think changing my scenery was, had a huge hand in it. Um, I was living in Miami when I was doing a lot of weddings and just finding the impetus and, and the courage to move to L.A., really changed my life. So when I moved here, you know, same story, like $500 in your pocket, living on one of my friend's couch. And I wasn't even a full couch. It was a love seat. So <laughs> you can't sleep in a love seat. But anyway, when I moved out here, I moved out here with a fresh start. And so I, I'm not afraid to let everything go and start from the bottom. And I think that really helped me, you know, take a lot of the ego away from what I was doing because people like love my wedding work and I was really on a trajectory in that field and to go and move to LA and start shooting things for free and ultimately just starting at the literally the bottom 
it helped me realize that there was no way to go but up. So what I continue to hear is that there have been several times in your adult life where you started, you were at like a pinnacle in your career and you said, I'm gonna walk away from this cushy pharmaceutical job with this condo and everything. I'm gonna downsize my life to pursue one thing. And then you're rising in the wedding world and you say, I'm gonna walk away from this to go live on somebody's couch in LA. Like, where do you think that- Love seat. Love seat. <laughs> where do you think that strength and that fearlessness comes from? Because a lot of people aren't willing to make those sacrifices. It came, I think around that time I found one of my quotes, uh, my favorite quotes rather, and it pretty much says, jump and develop your wings as you fall. And so by this time, by the time I was about to move to LA, I had already quit a job and became a photographer. I had already started shooting weddings and became successful at it. So it was n no doubt in my mind that I could move to LA and start from scratch and really build up. And around this time, you know, it, it, I'm not gonna act like, you know, again, I talk about the validation from outside people. It really helps when you're in a creative space. I mean, it just does. Like, you know, Beyonce may love to sing, but if people don't really tell her like, hey girl, you really killed that, that, that song, that dance, that performance, it helps. And so, you know, I had got a, around that time before I was making the transition, barely had any money because I wasn't shooting weddings anymore. I ended up booking a job with Disney when they were looking for, they were looking for photographers to shoot their parks for a project for Tumblr. And the way I got it was that a girl had seen all of my wedding work and she really liked my wedding work and she worked for Disney and she decided to pitch me as one of the photographers for this job. And these were like very reputable photographers because I looked at the other people that were doing it. It was maybe uh, five other photographers, six total. And it was people's work that I had admired and had been fans of. And I was in the rankings of them to shoot this project. Long story short, they measured the success of each person's work by the number of Tumblr likes and reblogs that they got. And so like every everybody else had maybe like, you know, maybe 700 likes and maybe a thousand reblogs. I remember that the pictures I'd taken, three of my pictures were the top three pictures that were reblogged for Tumblr. And when I checked, they were in the 30 and 40 thousands. And so I was like, there's something there, you know? And from there, Disney chose to hire me again because I was the most successful out of the first batch. So they hired me again for their properties in Los Angeles. And then they hired me again for some diversity images and, you know, other things like that. <clears throat> so I think that, you know, my wedding work got me my really first big commercial job and my first big commercial job turned into several jobs within the same company. And, you know, Disney is not a small company. <laughs> exactly. So shout out to them for really helping me make that transition from Miami to L.A. and that transition from weddings into commercial work. So when you since Disney is not a small company and you walk into there and this is your first commercial job, was there any doubt in your mind that and you're going up against photographers work that you had admired and you're on this project? Did you have any thoughts in your mind? Like, what am I doing here? Like, I don't belong in this room. Yeah. Have you ever heard of this thing called imposter syndrome? I have. Yeah. So for people that listen, if you haven't heard of imposter syndrome, it's like when people are in places and they don't think they deserve it. Like if if you are all of a sudden the head of Google, it's like, I don't deserve to be here. This is like one of my biggest dreams. And I definitely was having bouts of imposter syndrome. But again, the the I knew I was doing good work and I knew I was doing the work that spoke to me. And so I decided to just stay true to myself and 
being true to myself is what spurned so many people to really gravitate towards my images over to other people. So after a while, I got over that imposter syndrome really quickly. Nice. And then so I just want to talk about if it was wedding work that got you this job, what do you think it was about your wedding work that stood out to this art producer to be like, this guy would be great for our project? Well, the thing about my wedding work that I realized and that somebody told me was that my work gave a lot of single girls hope. And so the funny part is that most of my wedding referrals came from single girls that would read my blog every Monday and see the pictures I took of different couples and be like, oh my gosh, your pictures just make me want to fall in love. And I think that Whenever I meet somebody, I try to see the most authentic version of them, and that comes through in my photos as well. So I think authenticity really got me um, far in wedding photography. And I think that still, again, reigns true in my commercial work and my celebrity work, because I try to shoot authentic moments and capture the authentic person as well. And so was that something that from the beginning you had when you first got the camera at your company, or was that something that you developed over time as you began shooting and kind of studying other photographers? I think it was something, like I said, I think it was something that I always had. I think the epiphany to shoot people I didn't know and to really enjoy it. Because it was, it was a rush. I got a rush from really meeting somebody and shooting them and them enjoying the pictures and going through the images with them. Like, that was, that was a fun, fun part of my life. And so that kind of always made me excited to shoot even more. You talked a lot about the successes you've had through your career, but what challenges have you faced in your career and how have you overcome them and what have you learned from them? The challenge that I've faced, so... I would say, honestly, Eric, that any challenge that I've ever faced has always been internal. It's always been a lack of confidence. It's always been, you know, the biggest problem that I have as a photographer personally is I compare my work a lot. And so I'll look at somebody who's been in the game for 17 or 25 years and has worked with Vogue and so many other people, and I'll compare my little Canon 5D Mark II work with theirs, and that that's always been a problem for me. It's like, why doesn't my pictures look like this? Why don't my pictures like this? And that caused a lot of self-doubt. And so that's why I'm like, a lot of a lot of the issues and a lot of challenges I have have been internal because Externally, I have a very, a ton of very solid relationships with people that want, that enjoy my work and want to see me succeed. And so, you know, I'm not going to act like I haven't had struggles of, haven't had financial struggles here and there and haven't had creative plateaus where I don't think I'm creating work that I like. So a lot of the things that I have are internal. A lot of the struggles I have are internal. Externally, I'm blessed to be surrounded by people that want to see me succeed and want to work with me and want to, you know, make sure that I continue producing the work that they uh, that they relate to and really love. So. So but to your point, like your struggles have been all internal. And I think a lot of creators struggle with that internally, like we're our biggest critic and we prevent ourselves from doing the things that would probably thrust us forward or get us out of the situation that we may be in externally. So what steps have you taken to get through your internal struggles? Uh, The first step is definitely to create work that speaks to me. Right now, I'm really, really loving travel. And so with travel, I get to, you know, see new places, explore new places, just like I got a chance to explore new people early on in my career. So I'm having a lot of fun with that and gaining a lot of inspiration. But more importantly, I 
I stick to my own style. Like I'm creating my own style constantly. I'm constantly evolving. I'm constantly creating images that say, okay, this looks like Elton took it, you know? And I think that's the biggest compliment we can get as creatives when your work is recognizable, even if you're not there to show it. So just always working towards getting that level and and being being true to myself. Nice. And so you talk about travel. How does that inspire you? And how has that become such a big part of your career and your life? Well, I got to really thank my really good friend, Jessica Nabongo. She's a travel blogger, travel influencer, photographer too. And our I feel like our trajectories were on the same path. We both work for Pfizer and she quit her job first to move out of the country. And Jessica is like one of the most fearless people I know. And so right now she's been to over 90 countries, which is- wow. that's like crazy. Crazy, right. And so with her being one of my closest friends, there's no way that travel couldn't be a part of my life. So she really inspired me through her fearlessness to go and see more of the world. And so I got my first passport uh, maybe 10 years ago. Yeah, like 2007. So 25. Yeah, so yeah, 2007, 2008, I think I got my first passport. And since then I've been to 50 countries. Wow. Just France is my 50th country. So, uh, but I'll, I'll say this, I started making travel a priority and then it started turning into work. So after I show, after I would show that I travel, I was able to get a lot of jobs that would fly me different places. I went to Taiwan with a tourism board a couple years ago. I've also done philanthropy work with different uh, doctor organizations. So I had opportunities to go to different parts of Africa and also just had opportunities to, to shoot projects and even weddings that flew me everywhere. So, so it seems like once you, you kind of decide that this is the path I'm going, doors begin to open up for you. So what do you see the future for you? Like, what do you, where are you deciding and what doors do you want to open? Oh man. Well, I got a chance to dabble in uh, directing last year. I shot a campaign for uh, Puff Daddy, um, a cologne campaign, and I had a chance to direct a, a commercial spot for it. So that was pretty cool. You know, that was flexing the creative muscle. Moving forward, I just want my work to be more prolific. I want to be able to shoot the covers of my favorite magazines. I want to be able to shoot the movie posters of upcoming movies. And so living in LA, it's, I think it's very, very possible to make that transition. And you'll see a lot more of my work on just bigger, bigger pieces of media coming up soon for sure. And so what do you do now to kind of like promote your work, get it out there and get it in front of the people that make the decisions that will give you the movie posters? Um, I've been very organic in my career. I don't have an agent or a rep. And I've always lived by the, the phrase that, you know, good work has legs. So if I continue to make good work, then it'll continue to be seen. And social media is really, really helping me with that. Uh, I'm able to put my work on my Instagram page and people are able to follow it and like it and they can share it real time. So I think social media has really helped. And also just making honest and organic relationships. A lot of the jobs, actually every single job that I've gotten is because of my interest in people. And so when I meet people, I never think about what they could do to help me. Like, I, I don't see like, oh, this person has this position or this person is this influential, so I need to get closer to them. I just don't think like that. I'll get closer with the secretary or the janitor if they're a person that I just connect with. And so many times, that secretary or janitor is related to the VP of entertainment for some big company. And so that's just the way my life works. So for me, I continue to be an authentic person and I continue to attract 
what I, the energy that I give out, and that's helped me attract bigger and better jobs throughout my life. Nice. That's amazing. So what would you say has been the biggest success you've achieved so far in your career? Mm. The biggest success. I mean, every year I'm trying to outdo myself. So the biggest success outwardly, I would say, I would have to say the the Puff Daddy job that I mentioned before last year. It was the biggest job I've ever done. If you guys are familiar with Puff Daddy, you know that he is a maniac in the best way possible, though. Like, you don't get to be as successful as Puff Daddy without being a bit of a bit maniacal. And that was a very challenging shoot, but I think it paid off because it gave me a chance to work on a much larger scale. I think on set we had about 60 people, which is huge, you know. And uh, successfully, I felt very validated that the pictures came out amazing and that I was able to pull off a big production. But I guess on a more personal level, I think my most successful shoot is a recent shoot I did with Issa Rae. When, uh, if, you, if you guys don't watch Insecure, it's uh, one of my favorite shows, new shows rather, on HBO. And um, I've had a chance to work with Issa for the last six years. And the first time we ever worked together was when I reached out to her after I watched her uh, web series called Awkward Black Girl. And so this was when Issa was like, you know, she wasn't the celebrity that she is now. And I just really, again, going back to wanting to shoot people that I don't know, but people that I admire, I reached out to her and she was like, oh my gosh, you want to shoot me? And she was so flattered. And that was six years ago. And to see somebody like her from where they started to where they are now is just amazing. So we recently had an opportunity to do a shoot for this magazine called Hannah. The responses I got from those images were I would say overwhelming. And not only because the images were great, and I think that a lot of her comfortability in the images played to our relationship because we've had a chance to work together several times over the last six years. But I think because somebody like Issa Rae is definitely one of my like heroes. Like I've seen her growth literally and from from when she first kind of started to where she is now. And I think that the people resonated with her because they resonate with her story. The thing with me and the, and the thing when I chase success is I always try to tell my story. I always try to tell the full story and the real story because that's what people really care about. They don't care about the glitz and the glamour. Um, I mean, sometimes they do, but I think your story that is continuing to grow is a sign of success to me. And I think that you know, watching her story unfold, which it still is, and watching my story unfold, and us, you know, moving together, you know, kind of parallelly in our different arenas is a huge sign of success to me. That's a personal success of mine. That's amazing. And the images were so beautiful from that shoot. So oh, thank you. when you look back on when you first worked with Issa six years ago, and now working with her recently, what would you say have been the, the biggest things you've learned about yourself over that time period? And then what would you say the biggest things you learned just about your craft? Um, well, that's a good question. I have learned so much. In the past six years, I've turned 30 and 35. <laughs> and so have you. Yes, I have. <laughs> and so... At, it's crazy how at 30 you think you just know everything and you think you don't know I don't think you think you know everything but I think you have a good idea of where you'll be in five years mm-hmm. and I had no idea you know I just the experience that I've had over the last five years are beyond what I could ever have imagined and so at 35 I'm still learning. And at 35, I know that when I'm when I'm 40, I can look back and like, I had no idea what was in store for me. So, I mean, over the last years, I think I've just grown as an artist. I've grown as a person too. Because ultimately my artistry is a reflection of who I am becoming on the inside. 
And so just I just really been focused on growth and focused on organic growth because I could I could write out a million things I want to have done and another direction could happen and next thing you know I'm in a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> so to that point you're very much about very organic growth and being flexible in where your career may lead and go. Do you ever feel like that's a hindrance or do you always look at that as something that's positive? Like something that if you're always flexible, if, if you're in a commercial, which you just recently were in a commercial, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, well, yeah, it's coming out, but yeah. So is, is that, but was that ever even on the the vision board or in your mind that you wanted to be the talent versus being the the photographer or the director well yeah i mean i mean the point that you're trying to talk about is that yeah i i just recently got casted in a commercial a national commercial that's coming out soon so you know we can talk more about it when it comes out but you know i think that's a part of just being organic like I've had so many amazing opportunities come my way just from being myself. And I don't want to sound cliche, like, oh, just being yourself and, you know, being you is the best you you can be and all that (laughs) stuff like that. But I know for me, it's kind of true. For me, just understanding that I'm not the go-getter kind of guy in terms of like knocking on a hundred doors and be like, look at my work, hire me. I'm just not that kind of guy. I'm just really not. I, I'd rather be discovered. And I'd rather make good work that speaks to me. And if it connects with somebody else, then they feel happy about discovering my work and then turn into your cheerleaders, you know? Just like when I said, when I shot weddings, single girls were my biggest referral system. I also want to, Make sure that art producers and art buyers are seeing my work like, oh, I really relate to him for some reason. And so when I say organic, that's what I do. Like it's with photography, it's about creating work that speaks to you and speaks to other people. And so if I could tell you to do that, then my career would be just as organic as it ever has been. Yeah. And if you continue to just be open to opportunities that come your way. Like, is there ever, would there ever be something that could come your way and you'd be like, I'm not interested, that doesn't fit what fit you? Or are you always just open to hearing out what people have to say? Uh, I'm always open. I'm always, I'm always open to different opportunities. A lot of times I get approached for jobs that don't necessarily pay much. And... I kind of make a decision like, okay, is this job going to be worth the headache? But a lot of times I try to see if it's, if it's challenging me creatively, it can be worth my while, you know, to do it. So, you know, a lot, a lot, a lot of times money isn't always the motivator. It's the creative process that gets me there. So a lot of, photographers that have been in the industry for a long time and some coming into the industry that are new, money can become a a hang-up for them. Like, if this job isn't paying X amount, I'm not going to do it. Or if you're brand new and you're like, I should get paid for my work and maybe you're not necessarily ready for that. Like, what advice would you have to both sides of it? The people that have been around forever and the people that are just getting into the industry. I would say if you're getting into photography to become a millionaire, then this is the wrong <laughs> career for you. You have to be in photography because you love it. And that's the reason why I'm sitting here talking to you right now is because I've always loved photography. It was crazy when I first realized it was a passion. Because I'm like, who gets a passion? You know, it was like... <laughs> You know, everybody looks for their passion for the most part. You know, that's the thing. Find your passion and find your happiness and things like that. And I just, I thought that I would be the corporate guy, but I knew somewhere in me there was something else. And 
I always talk about people and their passions. Like, if you make the best red velvet cupcakes, and if you would do that for free, then that's a passion. Like, if you just want to share your red velvet cupcakes with everybody, then that's a passion. And who knows? You may get a show. You may get a deal with Walmart to create these red velvet cupcakes because you just made your red velvet cupcakes and the head of marketing at Walmart tasted them. It was like, oh my gosh, we need these on the shelves. And next thing you know, you got a $50 million distribution deal for your cupcakes. And I'm just saying like, that's, that's a very random example, but I've just seen people that follow their passions and not for the money, but for the love of it, and you never know what can happen. So everybody out there, find your cupcake. Find whatever your cupcake is and and bake it. But then once they find, say they found that cupcake, how do you balance finding the cupcake? I, I, I figured out what my passion is. Mm-hmm. And now I want to go after and pursue it. But then early on, you feel like... I got to eat. Yeah, I got to eat. I got to make some money. I got bills to pay. My passion... My, if I tell my landlord I done found my passion, he's going to be like, good for you. Rent's doing the first. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think that I'm just going to talk about photography space because that's my expertise. But in a photography space, you'll find out really, really quickly if you don't like doing something in photography. Like I've done red carpets before. Hate them. I've done events and I still do events here and there as kind of like you know, kind of like, not favors, but kind of like strategy. Yeah. Like I'd shoot an event for, you know, Amazon or something because that'll get me to where I need to be. So, but a lot of times I've done for photography jobs where it feels like work Mm -hmm. and it feels like there's no creative input into it. And those are things that drain me. So I think with, with the place it's we all need to eat we definitely all need to eat but we all need to feed ourselves creatively too so if you can find that balance and that's what i'm always chasing so if i'm creating work that's true to me then getting paid for it is 10 times more rewarding than getting paid for something that i don't really believe in so just to put a pin in this donkey, <laughs> if you make work that is true to you and you meet a place where you can get paid for it as well, that's where you'll be the most fulfilled. Because if you're shooting a lot of things that you don't, that don't inspire you and don't push your creativity, those checks will feel emptier and emptier, honestly. Yeah, I agree 100%. So before my last question, I just want to thank you for your time. I want to thank you for inspiring me, for being a good friend, for the advice. I know when I first started my career, the best advice that you give me, I tell people this all the time, is that you like, if you're serious about shooting, you would set up three shoots every weekend. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you're going to be shooting when you get off of work. And I was like, all right, I'm going to shoot every Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> And I did that up until I left my job. And I mean, just throughout my career, different advice and talks we've had, I've appreciated it and it's helped me out tremendously. So thank you for your time tonight. And thank you for all the time you've given me over these last eight, nine years, whatever it's been. Um, But my last question to you is, what continues to inspire you to create now? Well, first of all, thank you for the kind words. You know, your your hard work over the years has definitely inspired me. And I think it's good to have somebody who's your peer, your colleague, and also somebody you admire as well that you can talk to and bounce things off. So I appreciate our friendship and I love the randomness of how we became friends. Uh, <laughs> but... What continues to inspire me is just life. And I don't want to sound all new agey and corny. <laughs> I, I got to stop myself from sounding corny. But 
I am just so inspired by waking up every single day. Like every day is just a reset button and you can make whatever you want of the day that you that you desire. And so I think I'm inspired by that reset button. I'm inspired by living in the present and not living in the future, not living in, oh, I want to be doing this, this, and this. I get inspired by seeking gratitude and what's happening now. Like, I'm as happy right now speaking to you and spending this time on, on this amazing podcast as I am traveling through the jungles of Uganda with gorillas <laughs> as I am doing a photo shoot for a friend for their birthday as I am shooting a five-day campaign for Disney. Like, so I guess for me, I'm just inspired by, by like life. I'm inspired by being happy and just being grateful for where I am at any given moment and just taking the good with the bad and not not wanting more, but appreciating what I have now. Have you always been, been the gratitude and being present? Like, has that always been your personality or is that something that you developed over time? I think it's always been my personality. Like, one of my friends told me recently that happiness is a, is a choice. And I think I might have chose to be happy when I was like, a baby because I'm just always, I'm always internally happy. Like I, I don't let things, I don't let things get to me mentally because again, I'm always thinking about that reset button. I'm always thinking about literally tomorrow is a concept in my mind. So I can make it whatever I want it to be. So when I see, when I see things, I actually have this really huge tattoo on my arm from my uh, quarter-life crisis. And <laughs> it's a line from a poem that says, Triumph and Disaster. And it's one of my favorite poems by Roger Kipling called If. And it says, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat those two imposters just the same. So what I got from that is that when you have triumphs, you know, celebrating them, but they're not always going to be triumphs for you. And when you have disasters, don't revel in them too much. Like, kind of find a, a place where you're with the flow and if something good happens, stick with that good. But also if something bad happens, find the good in that too because there's always failures that happen. But I could tell you, everybody listening has learned so much from their failures. You've learned way more from their failures than their triumphs. Very true. Very true. Well, I want to thank you for your time on Creative Talk, and I hope that people enjoyed listening to it. I know I did. Oh, man, thank you. And thank you for having me on to Creative Talks, <laughs> the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, please share it with your community on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Snapchat, and write a review on iTunes. My goal is to inspire and help as many people as possible. And by you sharing, we will be able to do this together. You can also shoot me an email if you have any suggestions. Thank you for your time.